0: Welcome to Reviving the Fire, I'm Jeff. This is the show where I give relevant messages about faith from the Word of God, so that you can navigate through all the twists and turns that this crazy life brings. And it's also where we discover together how to keep your fire for Jesus burning bright. All right, let's do this. All right, how's it going? Jeff Saxton here with Reviving the Fire. Hope you're having a good day. I mentioned uh, in our last podcast that I'd be talking about something really important to my heart, and I think it's important to anyone who uh, is a Christian, anyone who does Christian ministry. So it's a really important topic to discuss this question. Now, this question I found uh, recently on a Facebook post. In fact, I've seen it a number of times. I'm sure you have too, and it kind of is calling out those that, teach or say that that you can uh, pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come into your heart that 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 is wrong that that is not right that that is incorrect etc and I just want us to talk about that today so if you are interested in that and that sounds exciting or interesting to you then hold on because that's what we're gonna talk about right now all right so we are gonna talk about this yes Is it wrong to ask Jesus to come into our hearts? Is it wrong for a minister to talk to other people and say, why don't you pray and ask Jesus to come into your your heart? Is it wrong for an evangelist or someone that is sharing the gospel with other people how to come to Christ? That's a good question, isn't it? It's a really good question. Um, And so we're gonna dig into this. I, I know, I like to get into these, whatever you call them, hot potatoes. Um, the reason I think uh, I want to get into this is even though it's a hot potato in, in Christianity today, it's important. Maybe vital. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, a couple weeks ago when I, we talked about being born again, we talked about deconstructing your faith. And I think if you want to go back to that podcast as a basis, it's really a good foundation you know, in John 3, and I'm not even going to list that one. I'm, I'm going to talk about eight verses today eight verses that tell us that Christ is in our hearts. Okay, eight verses, eight different verses. In fact, I'm going to actually end up talking about 10 different verses. I probably could think of 20. So when people say it's not biblical, I, I just say, well, you're not connecting the dots, you're not reading the Bible, you're, you're looking at one verse. You're forgetting all the other verses. I've noticed this is a trend lately, so be very careful. When anybody says anything is not biblical, I, I, I always got to make double sure, and you got to make double sure of what I'm saying. Okay, Don't just take my word for it. You go and test what I'm saying today yourself. But look at John 3, the entire book, I'm sure, uh, the entire uh, chapter of John 3, is a discussion between Jesus and a Pharisee, a teacher of the law, Nicodemus. And Jesus kind of holds him to the fire. He kind of says, you know, how are you not understanding this? And you're Israel's teacher. He says, unless you're born again, you will not inherit the kingdom. You will not see the kingdom. You will not get to heaven. So Nicodemus was shocked by this. He knew, you know, he got the message. He didn't misunderstand. Jesus was not exaggerating. But as Jesus does, um, he makes these statements that are, you know, they're not easy to understand. You've got to go do a little digging yourself. you got to really, that's why he even taught in parables, right? So that uh, people of faith, even the simple-minded, even people that were un- even, not even educated, could still understand deep spiritual truths. And often that's the way it is. So those of us that are intelligent, that have our seminary degrees, that t- teach as professors at, at Bible seminaries all over the world, need to understand that that doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. It could actually put up a lot of blockage for you to just understand the simple truths of the kingdom. So that's my, back- <laughs> I leave that as a foundation of background right there. All right. Th- you guys like stories. I'll tell you a story. So I have a story where that happened to me. So when I was in Bible college and I was, you know, I was 19 years old, uh, just changed my major. Uh, I was just following Jesus, I was a brand new believer and I didn't know anything about the Bible. I had almost zero knowledge of anything. I didn't know Greek, I didn't know Hebrew, I did not know church history. I did not know I, I had some theological underpinning you know but other than that, I just so I had to learn fast and, and God was teaching me a lot in my first years as a, as a Christian as a you know as a Bible theology student. But there's no way I could walk into a seminary and get into a, an argument with a one of the, um, actually it was he ran the seminary library. And we got into this argument about um, Calvinism. And I remember I checked out a book, and as we we're walking out, he goes, "What? wait a minute, what's that book about? And I said, oh, just evangelism. And he goes, why would you do that? <laughs> I said, why would I do what? He goes, why would you evangelize? I said, I, I don't understand what you're asking. He goes, well, you know, uh, he mentioned how he runs the seminary and he's he he graduated with a, a degree. I think he maybe even had his doctorate in some type of theology. And he just said, you know, this is not pointless. And I'm like, what's pointless? And he goes, to go out and try to convince someone to become a Christian is pointless. And I said, why is that? And he goes, well, aren't, aren't they called, aren't they chosen, already chosen? And he had 10,000 verses for me, you know, of course. And I didn't just dis- deny those, but I just said, well, but aren't we s- still supposed to go out and bring the gospel to all creation? And he goes, no. I'm like, but that's the great commission. He goes, yeah, that's, that's what, that's what you, you um Arminius believe, he said. But us Calvinists, we understand better. We understand that that's a total waste of time. And in fact, get, you're getting into God's way. He's like, the chosen are the chosen. I said, so there's no reason to do evangelism. He goes, of course not. So here's a guy that is so smart, apparently some doctorate in whatever theology, and he is uh, trying to get me to stop trying to go bring the gospel to someone new because of what the knowledge he's gained. And see what happens there is someone can be very knowledgeable and completely ignorant of the truth of what their knowledge is or even the other truths in the Bible that balance it out or even just basic foundational truths this person has stumbled over And why would they do that? Well, that's one of the things you'll notice about when we stay humble, when we stay teachable, when we stay a child and just learn. That's what disciple means, learner. Um, We will be able to see all of God's truth and not just one truth. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is in charge of our Christian life, not us. And when someone is in charge of their own Christian life, and I say that in a very funny way, but when someone makes all the calls in their life, they do things like that. And it doesn't take long, and you'll start to understand, you know, this person isn't really following God. They're, of course, coming across like they're beyond that. Like they are the teachers of those that should follow God, and they're not even doing it themselves. This the Christian, the Christian world is full of this stuff. Now, I was not offended by this guy per se. I was just stunned that I was hearing him say it. And he was not impressed by me. I'm a 19- or 20-year-old the- theology student you know in a univ- tiny university i was nothing to him and so and i was treated a little bit like that but you know as a learner <laughs> i was just trying to take in what he was saying and i thought man it 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 tripped me up for a few weeks but i finally got my footing and realized all the other verses that's a a little hint for you if you ever get tripped up on someone telling you hey i got a verse just tell him what jesus said to satan in uh, the wilderness where he was tempted in John, in, uh, John 4. Um, yes, it is written, but it's also written. you know, And that's that's really good Bible, Bible study methods, Bible, right there, Bible 101, is the word says, but the word also says. In other words, anytime someone comes to you and says, but the Bible says, always be ready to say, yep, and it also says. And when we, do, when we stop doing that, we stop, there's just, um, a lot of the Bible is that way. I think a lot of you guys that are more mature Christians, you understand that. And why is the Bible that way? Because truth is that way. Because God is that way. <laughs> you know, there are multiple things true all at the same time, and you can't just cancel one out to the extent of the other. Okay, so I'm way off there. But that's, uh, that's uh, I would encourage you to go back to, deconstructing your faith and re- listen to that first. But if you'd rather just keep listening to me, that's fine. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> All right. I mentioned John 3. Here's the second one for you. So you get 10 verses today that talk about Christ inside of us, Christ in our hearts. 2 Corinthians 13.5, Apostle Paul asked the Corinthian believers a question. He says, do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? And, and when... When Paul is writing about Jesus Christ in them, he's not speaking poetically or metaphorically. I mean, he literally meant, don't you realize, don't sin, don't do that thing, don't commit that outward uh, sin against your body, because don't you realize that Jesus Christ is living inside of you? That's what he asks. Just like the Corinthians, believers today, we, we need to realize about ourselves that Jesus isn't just in the outside he's also in the inside that's one of the reasons that you know I was a really really uh profound sinner up to age 18 and then at age 19 when I gave my life to Christ things changed abruptly and one of the first things I stopped doing was some sins on my to my body I just I stopped for example I I was intoxicating myself all the time and um you know I was just convicted after I became a a follower of christ and i realized that now jesus is inside of me and i don't want to be doing this anymore and i stopped doing that one thing and that was the reason why okay so that's one that's two verses so here's the third verse romans eight ten. paul is talking to the of course uh, the christians in rome but if christ is in you though the body is dead because of sin the spirit is alive because of righteousness in other words uh, As human beings, we are made of three parts, body, soul, spirit. And that kind of just explains the three right there. But even though, if Christ is in us, even though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit has become alive. But there you are. There's that second reference to Christ in us. Um, The next one here, and we're just going to go through these, so get ready. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. We have this treasure, Paul says, In earthen vessels so the verse actually in its entirety is because the God who said out of darkness light shall shine is the one who shined in our hearts to eliminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so what does that mean it means that again the treasure of Christ is living in an earthen vessel when we're saved but that's that's the only hope we have That's the only hope we have to not only experience Jesus on the inside, to be transformed from within, because transformation is an interior thing. Transformation being like a, in Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about that, how the world conforms in the outside. Don't be conformed like the world, squeezing into its mold from the outside, but be transformed from within. There can't be any transformation if we don't have, uh, a transforming power greater than us living inside of us just like the butterfly Galatians another verse Galatians 1 15 16 Paul says but when it pleased God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called by his grace to reveal his son in me when it was time for God when it pleased God to reveal his son in me from within not from without from within in fact Paul experienced that so profoundly that experience of, of having a transformation from within you know did G, did Paul know the moment he got saved that Christ had come inside of him I'm not sure but he knew pretty soon <laughs> he says later in Galatians 220 this is one of my favorite verses of all time if you don't hear any of the verses I say today listen to this one I am crucified with Christ, Paul said in Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I live now in the flesh, I live in faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now, notice that Paul didn't say, I live in a Christ-like way, or I glorify Christ through behaviors. No, he said, Christ now lives in me. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm not even alive. It's Christ now that's living inside of me. Great, great truth. And uh, if that's not getting us, you know, into this whole idea that Christ is inside of us, I don't know what is. Galatians later, in two more chapters, Galatians 4.19, he said, Well, just as women travail, labor, and childbirth to bring forth a child, Paul said he travailed to bring forth children as believers in Galatia. Uh, and, And here's how he says this prayer. He continued to labor and strive till Christ be formed in them. I labor and strive till Christ be formed in you. Now, as a minister, that I go through that all the time, and I think that's a great uh, ministry philosophy for those of you out there that try to do ministry or are ministers. To me, that's our goal. That's that's what all we should be doing is to labor and strive till Christ be formed in them. Now, this word be formed is not a a once one-time-only thing. It's a like a building more and more, a building that's being continuing on a progression of more and more building. So as Christ is formed, more and more and more in you. It's a great verse and very encouraging, right? I know what you're saying. You're saying, Jeff, so far, what what are the verses that we ask Jesus into our heart? I'm missing that. Well, I'm just laying the foundation of those verses that talk about Christ coming inside of us, you know, and so here's what Paul said in Ephesians 3, 17. He said that Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, and he goes on to share from there. But he says this, you know, that Christ may make his home in your hearts. The Lord doesn't just want to visit our heart like a guest. He wants our heart to be his home where he has freedom to live and move. And I ask you right now, I mean, that's one good verse right there that's kind of like saying we should ask Jesus into our heart. So when people say, hey, I don't have any verses about that, well, here's, if nothing else, Ephesians three seventeen says exactly that. Okay. Colossians 1, To whom God willed to make known what are the riches and the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You've heard that one said a lot, I think, and I have too. Actually, that was the theme, the, the, there was a title that always was, was draped across the church that, my first church that I was ever a a staff pastor on full time was Trinity Church in Omaha, Nebraska under Elmer Murdoch and, uh, Ty Schenzel was my immediate quote boss, but we both did the youth ministry together. I worked for him, but we both worked for Elmer and uh, we saw this, of course, all the time, every day, at our church, and it was it was a three th- three phrases that were awesome phrases: the whole Bible for whole people for the whole world, and then right underneath it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians one twenty seven. So these two verses, well, the first one not being a verse, it's just a great saying, <laughs> a biblically. Great, powerful, you know, motto to have, or mission statement, but with this verse underneath it: "Christ in you, the hope of glory." So, Christ in us. It was a big teaching that uh, that we heard all the time from our p- several pastors, our mainly our senior pastor, but some other pastors as well, and a very powerful teacher who wrote a lot of books. Watchman Nee wrote a book called "The Normal Christian Life," and he talked about the normal Christian life. is Christ in you, living the Christian life with inside of you. And really, we can't see victory like God wants us to until we start to understand that. That that our flesh has no love for anyone and that it's Christ in us that can begin to give us love for people. Two things with that. If you call yourself a Christian and you, you you don't love people. You kind of just consider yourself a great minister because of your knowledge, but you really dislike people quite a bit. You're not showing uh, Christ's love for people. I have we have to question, and you should question too. It, well, is Christ living in you? Because if so, you know you better have that. You've got that other. You've got the Spirit to give you that love. You've got Christ in you to, to show you His love for people. So if you if you lack that still. You need to really figure out what's wrong inside, and that's not for me or anyone else to, to question or to do. That's the only work that you can do with you and the Lord. But really, until we get that, we really can't love people. So some people, of course, are Christians and they do have Christ, but they don't access it because they don't understand the truth of it. And there are other people that actually don't. They've never really, they've never really been born again, and they've never. They don't have. Uh, spirit nature they only have their flesh nature and they're trying to do ministry and be a strong christian with only their flesh um not a good idea not recommended so um those are some really good i think i think phrases there truths there that really set a foundation for why it's okay to pray that christ would come in our hearts now what I think, how I agree with what some of these people are saying in some of these Facebook posts that we shouldn't just pray this prayer is because it's incomplete. We shouldn't just say to someone who is not a Christian and we're trying to lead them to Christ and they're wanting to come to Christ. We shouldn't just say, just say this prayer and say, Jesus, come into my heart, amen. No, no, no. There's more to it than that. (laughs) So, um, you know, and really that goes into other truths and nothing we have we don't have time for this podcast to go through a training on evangelism but it's really important and it's probably something you should do it's something that we offer i offer in in another um part of our ministry but for just right now just know that you know when you are going to give your life to christ there's a lot of things involved the most important thing i believe is giving rid getting rid of your own self-will to run your life for yourself. You're really saying, Lord, first of all, I repent of running my own life. That, that, that itself is a great sin. To not have Jesus be Lord is simply, you know, great sin itself. It's defiance. It's a lot of things. Rebellion. And it's something that Jeff's action was full of. So, when we come to the Lord... We can't expect to receive anything unless we first give up the right to running our own life. We give, really, we hand hand over the the car keys of our spiritual car. and We let the Lord drive, and we just get in the back seat. Maybe we get in the trunk even. But you know, I'm sure He says, "Oh, come on, Jeff, you don't have to sit in the you don't have to be in the trunk." <laughs> but it's okay to put ourselves there at first. I think, you know. But I noticed I I knew a lot about the gospel for probably six months. I was reading some tracks. I was looking at some things. I listened to a few TV preachers and I kind of knew what I needed to do and I just wasn't doing it. And finally, I submitted 100% to the Lord one night after a night of heavy drinking and some really bad things. And um, And I'm so glad I did. But the change happened when I gave 100% over to the Lord. When When I had one percent control and i said jesus you take 99 that nothing really was happening i mean that's kind of just playing around but when i finally said lord you have my whole life my whole future you know i'm all, I'm gonna do what you want now that's when i just felt a totally new nature come inside of me I, i've i had this new desire to please my to to uh obey my dad i mean this was not what I was doing for that whole year and a half I was in complete rebellion and hate I hated my dad how did I suddenly get this desire to go connect with my dad and apologize to him and make things right with him where'd that come from you know something supernatural happened something profound an inside transformation happened after I gave up 100% desire to run my own life and then from there it went but I mean Yes, it's also important to say, Lord, you know, thank you for dying on the cross for me, acknowledging what he did on the cross was for us. And so we want to do that and quote, there are if we're praying a prayer to become a Christian or become born again. But the truth is we repent. We let Jesus have 100% control. You know, we thank him for what he did on the cross. We, we look towards that. But it's that it's giving up our self will, I believe that's where, that's where the rubber meets the road for me. That's where everything changed. Now, what he did for, for me in response of me doing what he wanted me to do is I felt this new desire come inside of me. I, I was changed. It didn't just stop there. I went to all my friends and I wanted to tell them about this new life I had and this new joy inside. <laughs> and I thought they'd all want the same thing. And, uh, nobody did, <laughs> Even, but eventually like three or four did. So praise God, even out of that first time of, I was so, so not a good, you know, faith sharer, um, uh, but in my brand new, uh, is all I had, it was enough to really, when I look back on, back on it, you know, a handful of my friends from high school, um, experienced eventually, a they pointed to that moment, uh, as really um really starting the ball rolling for them to eventually become a Christian like I was um but I can look back on that now and see several of my closest friends had done had eventually years later made the same decision, and maybe they still would have even without me doing that, but you know God uses uses us in spite of ourselves, and um yeah, that was really really a profound experience for me, and you know I just hope uh this is encouraging you that really having Christ inside of us, you see, when we're saying the right prayer, the thing that God will do is he'll come inside of us and begin to make changes on the inside. Really, it doesn't matter if we really understand it or not. It doesn't even, we should recognize it, but even if you don't recognize it, the most important thing is you are saying, Lord, you know, I'm doing things your way now. What are you wanting to do today? Or what do you want to do right now? and he's he's your first love and he's your first uh he's your lord you know in every way then i believe that's somehow when the holy spirit uh when christ is birthed in us and we are born again and the light turns on the inside and uh, our spirit is turned or is made alive you know and we have life inside of us real life the life of jesus and you know we couldn't be more transformed so that that's we're born again. that That's what we've got to see happen. And, and some folks in our churches, some folks, maybe even a friend of friends of yours that say that they're Christians, but you haven't seen any change and they're living just like the world. you got to ask, hey, I, I don't know if this thing took <laughs> because I've heard when you're born again, um, there's a bunch of new changes and you're never the same. And you, you do these new things and we can look at the apostle Paul as a great example of that. And, and, and many other uh, Christians down through the centuries and certainly my life and hopefully yours as well. Give him your whole life. Give him everything. Acknowledge what he did in the cross was for you. But now, in thanks, give him your life, your future, your tomorrows. Give him a blank sheet of paper. Let him write on that paper anything he wants to about your life, the life story that that maybe you wanted once, but now take it all off the table and give him a brand new clean sheet and you're going to experience a born again transformation regeneration inside that is going to blow your mind it's going to blow everybody else's mind it's going to change the world well that is about all the time we have for this episode i hope you enjoyed it stay tuned for the next edition of reviving the fire with jeff saxton